This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurement. I've had nothing but good experiences with Indochino, and I hope yours are the same. You get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. R.J. Barrett's brand-new collection with Indochino just dropped, featuring limited-edition fabrics and jacket linings that R.J. helped pick out and design. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering the code BLUEWIRE at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com with the promo code BLUEWIRE for your $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for me to measure clothing. You really have no excuse to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Blue wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And on that note, we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg, for all of my gambling picks. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Matt Siegel, as you can get his picks at Showtime Cappers. You might just know him as Showtime on Twitter. We are back from the Thanksgiving holiday, pumping a few out here before we hit Christmas. Matt, always good to be back with you. How we doing? Greg, what's going on? I'm doing great. I can't complain. Coming off the max win on the Seahawks last night. What a great game that was. Honestly, you know, the Seahawks just keep chugging along. And, uh, you know, they're really looking to be Super Bowl contenders in my mind. I don't know about you. Oh, absolutely. No, I agree with that. I was pleased to see the Seahawks win, even though I didn't have any action on the game last night. I am holding a ticket on the Seahawks to win the NFC West. Uh, So it looks more and more like it's going to come down to the last game of the season against the San Francisco 49ers. But that game is in Seattle. And uh, the way the Seahawks are looking right now, I would give the slightest of edges to Seattle. One thing, though, we're going to circle back to the NFL at the end of the podcast as we always like to preview the Thursday night football game during our uh, middle of the week pod. 
And so we will talk a little Bears Cowboys later on. But one last thing, NFL, I got to ask you: Have you broken up with the Browns? Is it? Is it? Are you done with them? Um, I mean, you know, losing that road game, I think we both discussed that whichever team won that game would obviously go in a different direction. And, and you know, now with the, the, the Browns sitting at, um, what are they, five and seven and the Steelers at seven and five, you know, I mean, now there are two games out of, of the wild card. So that was the clear decider, because remember, if the Browns won that game, then they're both sitting at six and six. And the Browns are two and zero over the Steelers and have the tiebreaker. So yeah, now now the Browns are officially done on the outside looking in. With you know the Bills pretty much have that first wild card spot locked up at nine and three, and then there's the Steelers and Titans at seven and five, and the Raiders and Colts at six and six battling for that that second spot. And you know unless the Browns were to win out, finish nine and seven, and get some help from the other four, I, I don't see the Browns making it. I'm going to have to agree with you, yeah. And as somebody that uh, was holding a Steelers under – or I'm sorry, Steelers over eight and a half, nine and a half wins, excuse me, that is still alive. And my Browns under nine wins, I need one more loss to catch that ticket. So that was yeah, a pretty that's, big Yeah, that's a win. I'm not worried about that. For me on Sunday. Let's move on, though. And as I said, we'll get to the gridiron at the end of the show as we will preview Thursday Night Football. A pretty big game between the Chicago Bears who are trying to make a little bit of a late push into the playoff run, albeit probably <laughs> short, and the Dallas Cowboys. We'll talk about that later on in the show. I know. I think the Bears suck too, but at 6-6, six and six, uh, they have started to play a little bit better, so that is the reality of their situation right now in the NFC North. But let's go to the hardwood first on this Tuesday, uh, December the 3rd, and talk a little bit about what some of the spots are that we are eyeing up in the Two National Basketball Association and college no, basketball. No, Greg, let's, let's go college first. We'll go college first. Okay. So we had the Big Ten ACC Challenge get underway last night. Uh, I actually watched a good amount of that game between Miami and Illinois. Miami was shooting the lights out in the first half, and I had the over, so I was happy with that. Uh, Illinois came back and made it a really interesting game, so... Big Ten ACC Challenge is, I'm sure, where a lot of people's eyes will shift to tonight with the Louisville Cardinals uh, welcoming in the red-hot Michigan Wolverines. Michigan all the way up to number four in the AP poll after being unranked last year. And then, of course, the marquee matchup that everybody circled all the way back when the college basketball schedule came out, the Duke Blue Devils traveling to the Breslin Events Center to take on the Michigan State Spartans in a rematch of last year's regional final won by Michigan State. Um, so Matt, those are obviously the two biggest games on the college basketball card, but I'll let you start. Do you want to take us to one of those games or is there another spot, uh, in the college basketball rotation you're looking at on this Tuesday? Uh, there's a few spots, Greg, but why not start with the best spot? Louisville, Michigan, one verse four last week, Michigan's unranked, you know, they take down Gonzaga, they take down UNC and here we are, and they're sitting ranked, and I was sitting pretty cashing on Michigan, and they have won every single game they've played, 4-0 against the spread in the last four. Flip the script, Louisville has been winning, but they are only 2-3 and three against the spread in the last five. The competition that Louisville has played is clearly not the same level of competition Michigan has played. Not only, like I said, did Michigan play and beat UNC, but they played and beat Gonzaga, 
both teams better than any team Louisville has played, frankly, and that's really not in over-exaggeration. Even the Iowa State team that, that Michigan beat, you know, as small favorites before the UNC and Gonzaga games is still a better team. So Michigan's played three games, in my opinion. Uh, their past three games have all been better competition than Louisville has played. Louisville truly has not been challenged this year. I, I, I mean, they were challenged against the Akron Zips, where they only won by six points, but they were, frankly, they were 18-point favorites in that game. So it really wasn't an impressing performance for me. I mean, their first game opener against Miami, I understand they won by 13, but I don't think this Miami team's that good, Greg. I think this Michigan team is playing hard basketball. They are on a mission, and and they just look great in that tournament. They This is what Michigan does. Michigan is now a basketball school, Greg. I said it. Michigan football clearly now out of the playoffs. They are turning their attention to basketball. And I already booked Michigan plus five and a half this morning, Greg. It's too hard to pass up. I understand it's on the road. I understand this is a different test for Michigan, you know, on the road as opposed to a neutral site where the Gonzaga and UNC games are played. But they're ready for this, and they're coming in with so much confidence. Michigan is coming in after being unranked, moving to number four. There's no pressure. They're now on the road at the number one team in, in the country, and all the pressure pressure is on Louisville. And and I just think that five and a half is too many points here for a team who's been playing as great a basketball as Michigan has. I would not be surprised if Michigan won this game outright, Greg. However, I do think Louisville wins this game by five or less. I think it's a real close one. I think we get the cover of five and a half. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think I kind of like the other side here. Louisville is returning more players, and they have some key veterans on the roster. I mean, normally those are things that are hallmarks of teams in the top five. And I know that Michigan had a nice run there um, at the Battle for Atlantis tournament, and and they did well in Feast Week. And, and, and they're probably more real than fake. I mean, there, there's no two ways about it. When you win those kinds of games on neutral courts against those opponents, it's going to catch people's eyes. But this feels, to me, like a little bit of a comeback down-to-earth spot for Michigan against the number one team in the land. And, you know, I know that, at different points in the early parts of the year, you mentioned Louisville struggles against the spread. Uh, maybe aren't they aren't sending as many statements, but I think that's why this lines up for them to send a statement. You think about Michigan and all those wins, and they're the team that comes in getting a lot of the buzz, getting a lot of the national attention, and rightfully so. But this is where I think Louisville gets up and says, you know, hey, we're still pretty good ourselves. Um, Jordan Nora was the ACC uh, most improved player last year. So you think about this would be a great spot for him to launch himself into national player of the year, early talks uh, as the best player, probably on the number one team in the land. Um, and, and again, I just think there's more returning, more veteranness for Louisville, which that part of it, the aspect of Michigan losing some more players didn't come into Focus as much as I, you thought it might last week, uh, but I do think that 
the more experienced team uh, is going to win the game tonight at home. Louisville makes a little bit of a statement. I think it's a little bit of a piece of humble pie for Michigan tonight. I like the uh, Louisville Cardinals, and I'm seeing five, uh, so I, I am willing to give the five. And you know what? If you're right, and 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 this and this is a one to five point win for Louisville, then then so be it. You know, uh, if if five to me is a short enough number where I feel if Louisville can win this game, I'll take my chances that they cover. Yeah, I, I see I see where you're going with that, Greg. I just think this honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this come down to the last possession sure. or, uh, you know, Louisville winning on a game winner. I think this is going to be a high-intensity matchup, and I, I'm just rolling with the hot hand here. It's hard to pass up the hot hand that Michigan has. Now, moving on, we are staying with the Big Ten ACC uh, matchup. Duke, Michigan State. Greg, what do you got here? Yeah, you know um... – Gosh, you know, you think about Duke, and they had the loss last week to Stephen F. Austin, and I, I was talking to a couple of people that I know that watch Duke religiously, and they, they were legitimately concerned. I mean, Duke did not play that well against Winthrop the other day either um, in, in a game that Duke had to grind out in the second half, uh, and, and the consensus seems to be that outside shooting is going to be a problem uh, all season. For Duke, and if that's the case, then my angle here is actually to look under the total because obviously uh, it doesn't take brain surgery to know that three is greater than two. And um, if I know that I'm going to get the road dog that's not going to be able to shoot the ball well, then they're probably going to have to muck the game up a little bit and play a little bit of a rock fight tonight. And I know that Michigan State, being a Big Ten team, probably won't have many problems doing that. I don't think that Michigan State is going to look to run and gun as much, uh, especially since Michigan State is the team with so many players back. I would think that they're probably more comfortable in a half-court offense-type setting. Six is a little steep. In a game of this caliber, there is a revenge angle for Duke for the players that are returning for the Blue Devils. Uh, so I, I, I actually like this game under 146.5 if I had to play it, and I probably will take the under. Yeah, Greg, honestly, I'm going Michigan State here, and I'm laying the minus six. I think Michigan State gets it done here. I, I really like Winston to help his team get up and get ready for this game. That veteran presence – I just can't overlook that. And I just really think the home edge here, I think the Duke Blue Devils could be a little overwhelmed. Like you said, lost at home as 27.5-point favorites to SF Austin. They come back at home. You would think that they you would, would come out, out ready. Winter, right? You would think that they would exactly come out ready to play and get back to it, you know. And they struggled. And... I don't mean they just struggled by the score because, I mean, they did only win by 13, but they were only up seven at half. It was close. You know, it was really, honestly, if you watch the game, Greg, it was back and forth, back and forth the whole way until about the two-minute mark, one-thirty minute mark, where they they made their, they then stretched to their longest lead of the season. Trey Jones, I'm looking at the play-by-play, actually hit a three. Stretch it from a four-point lead to a seven-point lead, and and then you know, and then they went down. They got a foul shot. An eight-point lead with one minute left was the largest lead they had in the first half. So for the first nineteen minutes of the game, this was a four-five-point game, back and forth. 
And they just didn't look good, in my opinion. So now traveling to a hostile environment, East Lansing will be. Give me Michigan State on the cover here. I, I don't I don't think Duke gets it done here, and it just doesn't get easier for them as they then are playing Virginia Tech, who we know took down this Michigan State team about a week yeah. ago. So, you know, Duke really could be in trouble here of losing back-to-back games and three games out of four, which is usually unheard of for the, at this point in the season for Duke. But I, I definitely see some concerns if I was a Duke fan. So there's a preview at a pair of the biggest games on the – probably not a pair of the pair of the uh, top games of college basketball here on this Tuesday, December the 3rd. Matt, any other spots in – the college hardwood before we get to the NBA that you like. Oh, yeah. I'm jumping right to my alma mater. Indiana at home, Assembly Hall against 17th-ranked Florida State. Indiana 7-0 and comes in. Florida State 7-1 and here. I understand Florida State was just at Purdue and got a close win. But let me tell you, Greg, the environment that they're about to face at Assembly Hall for this game is nothing like that environment at Purdue it is tremendous and the home advantage here will bring Indiana to a W Indiana has been frankly they haven't played the best competition and I understand they actually didn't cover last game but before that they were 6-0 and to the cover they were blowing teams out they've been beating every team how you should and that's one thing I look you know do they play hard this team plays hard every game they get up for a game, whether they are 20-point favorites or three-point underdogs. Here they are, laying two-and-a-half at home as an unranked team against number 17th ranked in the country, Florida State. Give me Indiana, minus two-and-a-half. I expect them to win this in a big kind of way. Yeah, you know, I like that play, and I may actually take it myself. I I do kind of like both in college football and college basketball to play the unranked favorite against uh, a ranked team. Always a good angle. You know, and, and, and it worked for me on, uh, I believe, yeah, so it was Friday night. I had the St. Mary's Gales laying the three points against Utah State, who was number 15 in the country at the time of the game. So uh, that, that's a good system play that I like to take as well. So I could certainly see myself on the Hoosiers as well. Anything, final words, college basketball, or do we, are we ready to move to the NBA? Yeah, I got one more play. I'm looking at sure. another unranked team against, you know, a little fake 24th-ranked Butler, Ole Miss. At home, you know, another what I expect to be a hostile environment. Butler comes in 7-0, and ranked 24. Ole Miss, unranked 5-2, and sitting at minus 1.5 at home. Just another unranked opponent at home against a ranked opponent as a favorite. You play these games, Greg, you're not going to hit them 10 out of 10. But if you hit them 6 out of 10, that's profiting, you know, that's profiting. And that's the name of the game. So I'll be looking to play these plays all season long, you know, not every single play blindly, but it's an automatic game that I zone in on and then I look further into to see if it's a play. And it's a play here. Ole Miss coming off an embarrassing loss on the road at Oklahoma State. They lost by 41 points as a as a minus one favorite. So they were a favorite. They lost by 41 points. You know, if that doesn't scream comeback, to, to me, Greg, I don't know what does. They're going to come 
back home after a three-game road trip, and they're going to get fired up. And frankly, their first two games, you know, they played Penn State and they played Memphis. They played them both close, losing by to Memphis by one point, covering the spread there, losing the Penn State by only two points, and covering the two and a half point spread there. And I just, I just think that Ole Miss is going to come home and bounce back from that pathetic performance against Oklahoma State. I really do. You know, I'm going to give you – you mentioned Oklahoma State. I'll give one last play, and I don't quite understand why the Syracuse Orange are laying three-and-a-half. I'm going to take Iowa plus three-and-a-half against Syracuse in another Big Ten ACC game. Syracuse last weekend uh, – or well, I guess during the week. They played Wednesday and Friday in uh, at the Barclays Center in their uh, Feast Week event. They lost by double digits to Oklahoma State and then by 21 against Penn State in – a spot that I thought was pretty nice for Syracuse after Penn State let the game get away the day prior against Ole Miss. I thought Syracuse might be able to come back and catch Penn State um, a, a little down, but the opposite happened. So Syracuse, back-to-back losses by 14 points or more, uh, and I, I don't know that they can score that much. I mean, they, they I know Virginia is one of the elite, elite defensive teams in the country, but they played Virginia and only scored 34 um, and, and you think of Iowa, you know, that's, you know, a typical Big Ten team that wants to win rock fight type games. And uh, at the same time, though, Iowa o- up over 70 points in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games this year. So every game Iowa has played, they've scored over 70. Um, and, and I think that Iowa's defense, as I said, has always kind of been a calling card for them. So I, I think Iowa is going to win this game, but I'll probably take the three and a half. Yeah, it's a weird line. Syracuse has struggled heavily in their past two games. Um, but, you know, that zone sometimes causes team struggles when, when we least expect it. So we'll see how that plays out. But I really don't hate the Syracuse play. Is that all for me? Iowa play. College hardwood. Iowa play. <laughs> no, I'm saying I don't hate that play, I said. Right. I know you said I don't hate the Syracuse play. I'm on Iowa. No, I, I mean the play on the Syracuse game. Yeah, like gotcha. going against Syracuse. I don't – I apologize. Yeah, I don't hate the Iowa play. No, I don't have um, anything else. Let's move forward and go to the National Basketball Association where we have, count them, one, two, three, four, five, six games on the card tonight. I'm sorry, seven games on the NBA card tonight, uh, highlighted by the Los Angeles Lakers visiting the Denver Nuggets. I'll, I'll just start. I do actually have a play on this game. I like a side, and I like Denver. Laying the deuce. Um, I've been waiting for opportunities to bet against the Lakers. Obviously, that's a big public team every year in the NBA. The Lakers always have a big following. Therefore, there is a big betting bandwagon behind the Lakers. And it's never really as much the case with Denver, yet Denver seems to win these games time and time again. I think when it comes to the regular season, we've talked about this with Denver quite a bit. They have a good home court. And the home court advantage for the postseason, I think, matters a little bit more for a team like Denver. These are the top two teams in the West. um, And I think that the Nuggets are going to treat any game that they have against the Lakers, Clippers, Rockets, whoever it may be. And we already saw them beat the Rockets at home this year. I think they're going to treat these games against the Western Conference elites all season long like their playoff games. Because I think of all the teams that really need to get that top seed in the West playoffs, and we're a far ways from that. But all the games count the same, and I think Denver really needs it the most. Uh, so I do like Denver minus two at home. Uh, yeah, Greg. So 
before I get into that game, I have uh, another play um, on the hardwood. Small slate today, small plays, but Greg, frankly, <laughs> keep doing that. Greg, frankly, love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have four plays in the NBA, and I'm going to tell you that they're going to go four and zero. I can promise you that today. I'm taking the Toronto Raptors at home, minus four points against the Miami Heat. I understand the Miami Heat have been good this season, but they've been struggling recently. Three and two in their last five, two and three against the spread. They barely beat the Brooklyn Nets on the road. And then those two wins are blowout wins at home against the Warriors and the Hornets. The two good teams they played, granted, they were both on the road, but they lost to the Rockets by nine, and they got blown out in Philadelphia by 27 points. So we've seen the Heat beating up on the crappy teams, but we haven't seen them perform against the good teams. The Raptors, you know, they they come into this game on a 4-0 against the spread record, 5-0 in their last five beating the Jazz at home, beating the Sixers at home. This Raptors team is is a good home team. They really are. They get their, – their crowd gets up for the games. And, frankly, I just – I think the Heat just overall have a better team than – that. I mean, excuse me, the Raptors have an overall better team. I think they go eight or nine uh, – excuse me, seven or eight deep. And – I think the Heat have been disguised by these matchups where they have just taken care of business against the teams where they should take care of business. Like I said, as opposed to the Raptors, who not only beat the teams they should, they they take care of business against the good teams as well. And interesting note here, Raptors sitting at 9-0 and at home this season. Yes, they have not lost at home this season. That seems to be a trend in the Eastern Conference with the Heat being 8-0 and at home, Celtics 7-0 and at home, and the Sixers 10-0 and at home. So, you know, and the Bucs are sitting there at 9-1 and at home. So there's your top five in the East, nearly unbeatable at home. Meanwhile, the Heat are 6-5 and on the road. So Heat have to travel up out of the country to Toronto. I see Toronto winning this, and I see them easily covering the four points. Matt, before we move forward, I do just want to let you get back to the Lakers and Nuggets uh, just so we can kind of close the book on that game. Uh, Side total, pass, what are you looking at in that game? Oh, by the way, interesting note, um, Goran Dragic obviously out for the Heat, you know, so that's 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 a blow to them. He, he's been good this, this season. He's been hurt, and so, you know, missing him is definitely – one of the causes of their struggle. But, Greg, we have a double max in the late game, or I guess the almost late game, I should say. 9 p.m. Eastern tip-off, Lakers and Denver. That's why I wanted to wait to get back here, because it's a double max play, Greg. I have Denver on the money line, minus 125. That's a three-unit max play. And Denver under 208 and a half. That is another three-unit max play. Parlay them together for one unit at plus 235 odds. So one unit pays out 2.35 units. Playing that parlay as well. And that's where you get my 4-0 in the NBA. You get Denver winning. You get the Denver under. Then we hit the parlay. And then you get Raptors minus 4. That's 4-0. But let me tell you, this Nuggets team, they are outstanding at home. Like you said, we've been looking for a spot to fade the Lakers, and here it is. The Lakers have been 
damn near unbeatable, really just when they want to be unbeatable. But they come in off a loss at home against the Mavericks by 14 points where Luka Doncic really just showed LeBron, you know, that he is here and, and it is the new age coming. And Denver is coming off of a loss. They Denver has won every single game coming off of a loss this year. I don't see anything changes. As for the under, Denver has went under four games out of its last five. The Lakers enter this game coming under the total in five of their last five. And, you know, other than the Mavs, though, the, 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 the Lakers just truly haven't played another team. Like, kind of like the Heat, they just, just haven't played the best competition as of late. You know, their last quote-unquote good team they played or a playoff team, <clears throat> that dates all the way back to November 10th when the Raptors came to town and the Raptors beat them by nine. I mean, I understand the Mavericks are good, but anyway, that's still only one tough game in their last three weeks. This Lakers team hasn't really been challenged, and it showed. Like I said, the last time they were challenged was November 10th. They lost at home to the Raptors by nine. Fast forward three weeks, then they get challenged by the Mavericks, and they lose. So in the middle of those three weeks, they really just weren't challenged. Here, the Nuggets come in playing. Uh, they've played the Celtics. They've played the Rockets. As, as soon as 10 days ago, you know, they won a tough game on the road against Minnesota. They won a tough game at home against the Heat, a tough game at home against the Sixers. This Nuggets team it has just been spoiled with great wins at home. They, they, they beat a Suns team that has been solid at home. And their struggles have really just come on the road or when they decide to take games off. And luckily for us, they kind of took a game off last week or last game in Sacramento, they're going to come home. They're going to write the ship. They're going to win this game. They're going to lock down. They're going to play defense. And the Lakers are frankly going to struggle in this game. I mean, I expect AD and Kuzma to go, but nonetheless, they are still game time decisions, you know, but I do expect them to play. I mean, Kuzma only playing 21 minutes last week could indicate he's still a little shaken up, but the, the, the Lakers bench, does not scare me. When the benches get in, the Nuggets will have their way. Their bench is superior to the Lakers. I am taking the Nuggets and the under. Max plays on each. Parlay them both for one unit. It's going to be 3-0. and Don't miss out. No, I, I like everything you said there. And, uh, you know, totally agree. Side total correlated here. Where Denver, as we've discussed, at home, they like to slow the pace down and wear you down. And, and that lends itself to unders. And they're pretty good at doing that, which means that if they are to win a lot of games and cover a lot of games at home, their games often go under the total as well. I want to go to one last spot that I'm looking at in the NBA, and then we'll quickly hit the ice before a commercial break. Uh, Matt, you talked about Dallas, right? And we're not really sure yet, like, how good are they? They're 13-6, and six and they just win at the Lakers. Well, I think we have a classic flat spot tonight in the first game on the TNT doubleheader when Dallas visits the lowly New Orleans Pelicans. I am taking the Pelicans plus four. Uh, you might think, oh, this number seems short, right? Because the Pelicans are off back-to-back -back losses to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, they got their rear ends kicked by the L.A. Clippers about nine nine days ago. Uh, they gave up 120 points, or I'm sorry, 128 points to the Utah Jazz. Uh, they have not had a good start to the season. That, that goes without saying. And I'll take it as somebody that holds a ticket on them under 39 wins. However, I just think off of the win against the Lakers, 
you're going to see a Mavericks team a little fat and happy, a little bit overlooking the lowly Pelicans, and I don't think you get a full effort tonight for 48 minutes from Dallas. Conversely, I think New Orleans sees who's coming in and sees how good the Mavericks have been of late and kind of uses it as a little bit of a rallying cry. Dallas 7-3 and three in its last 10 games. So it wasn't just the Lakers game that they've been impressive in. Uh, all of that said, I just think that, uh, as I said, it's a flat spot for the Mavericks. Not only are they off a win against the Lakers, but uh, not too long ago, they also beat the Houston Rockets. Uh, so I think they're kind of feeling themselves, and maybe rightfully so, uh, but this profile is as a nice spot to take the home dog, a team that's been struggling, gets up for this game. We saw the Pelicans cover last Wednesday night in the AD return game against the Lakers. Not the same kind of revenge angle necessarily, uh, but I do think that you're going to see a fully dialed in young Pelicans team really play with nothing to lose, and, and, and that will lend itself towards them at least covering the four. Yeah, it's it's an interesting angle. I looked at it. It's just even tough for me to stomach. The Pelicans have just absolutely been pathetic. But if there was a spot for them to come out flat, it would be here after two huge road, excuse me, three huge road wins, really, at Rockets, at Suns, at Lakers. You know, they did lose the Clippers in between there. But the Pelicans have just been absolutely pathetic. I cannot back them here. And on TNT, it's hard for me to fade Luka when he always puts on a show. But nonetheless... If I were to play this game, it would most certainly be Pelicans plus four or pass. So I wish you nothing but the best of luck, Craig. <laughs> I appreciate that for sure, as always. Final words on any NBA plays. That's all I have is uh, I, I like Denver a lot. I'll probably max the minus two. And uh, I like the Pelicans. Uh, do you have anything else you're looking at in the association tonight? I know. Yeah, well, not hard. not tonight, Greg. But win or lose, I will be looking to fade the Lakers once again tomorrow night when they are on the second game of a back-to-back road trip, and they travel to Utah. Utah is generally a good team at home, and I expect that game to open up close to around a pick'em, and I will be looking to fade the Lakers once again. Like I said, win or lose today. The Jazz at home tomorrow will be a good look. Another look, excuse me, will be the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics game. I will be looking to play the Boston Celtics, fading the Miami Heat on the second game of a back-to-back road, just like the Lakers will be traveling from Toronto to Boston while Boston is resting. And, you know, Boston typically at home with Brad Stevens shows out for this game. I'll give the edge to Brad Stevens over Eric Spolstra any day. Let's quickly move forward and go to the ice uh, where we'll talk. Uh, this is a busy night, actually, in the National Hockey League. Um, and I want to actually look at a game with uh, – you mentioned back-to-backs there. Uh, we got a pair of teams on the second end of a back-to-back in Newark, New Jersey. And so I'm going to go under 6.5 in the Vegas Golden Knights-New Jersey Devils game. The Devils just haven't been scoring, period. They only scored one goal last night in Buffalo. They got shut out on Saturday by the New York Rangers. Uh, So third game in four days for the Devils. I have a hard time thinking that they're going to score a lot here. And for Vegas, you know, a team that is obviously – always kind of has high expectations and they're third in the Pacific division right now. This to me just smells like a get in and get out spot for them where they're on the second leg of a back-to-back. They did their, took care of their business last night against the Rangers. I know the travel is nothing going from Manhattan to Newark. All that said, uh, Vegas played on Friday 
against Arizona and only scored a goal in regulation, won that game in a shootout two to one, uh, only scored two goals last week against the Dallas Stars in a 4-2 loss. So if Vegas is to win this game, I don't think that uh, we're going to see a lot of offense either way. And even if the Golden Knights do kind of bust out of things and they haven't scored more than four goals, uh, you'd have to go all the way back to November the 17th. And, and so that's a couple weeks now. My point here being that if Vegas is to win, uh, I don't think that the Devils are going to do their part to get the game over six and a half goals. Uh, you know, this smells like something like 3-1, uh, maybe 4-2 at best. But uh, I like Vegas to win in all likelihood. But my stronger play is on the under for an NHL play. Matt, anything you like on the ice tonight? Yeah, Greg, I'm looking at the Canadians on the ice tonight. Interesting game. You might ask me why I possibly like the Canadians coming in losing eight straight while the Islanders come in as one of the best teams in the NHL. And that's just Back-to-back it. road for the Islanders. It, that's just it. It's a back-to-back road spot for the Islanders. And, you know, the Montreal Canadiens can turn it around. They started the season off hot. Like I said, they've now lost eight consecutive games. They will break the streak, and they will break it tonight. They will not lose forever. Now, you might say, Matt, that's a dumb angle to take. Look at the Red Wings. They have lost 10 in a row. But let me tell you, the Canadians are not as bad as the Red Wings. The Red Wings, you know, they are ousted from from the system. But let me tell you, the Canadians will break this streak, and I expect them at home to get up for this game against one of the league's best teams the islanders and and i think the islanders you know this is a game they kind of overlook and and they and they and they and they drop it yeah i don't hate that play um i unfortunately was on the red wings last night uh kind of expecting the islanders to lose one of these games in the back-to-back uh wanted to take a chance on the better price uh but the islanders take care of business there in uh hockey town i though am going to go to uh boston where I think we're getting a uh, Boston Bruins team that's a little overvalued and a team that I am going to look to fade uh, in a nice spot here against the Carolina Hurricanes. This is playoff revenge for Carolina. Carolina got swept in the Eastern Conference Finals last year by the Boston Bruins. And and Boston, as quite honestly, they've just been winning close game after close game. And eventually, especially in hockey, those are things that you expect to regress back to the mean. A lot of the advanced metrics on the Bruins say that what they're doing is hard to sustain. Uh, so in this spot against the Carolina team that, you know, is still a pretty good team. And obviously I mentioned the playoff revenge angle. Uh, I, I think the plus 130 on Carolina is a worthwhile investment. Carolina right now comes in fourth in the Metropolitan Division. So, you know, we're 27 games into the NHL season for some teams. Like, that's basically a third of the season. So while it doesn't feel like there's a lot on the line, like, pretty soon we're getting to the point where come January, February, people are checking the standings every night. So Carolina in a spot where they're kind of battling for the playoffs. Boston playing really well, but as I said, hard to sustain, I believe. Uh, I think the winning streak of seven ends for the Bruins tonight against the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, I don't hate that. I don't hate that angle at all either. Personally, not a play for me at this moment in time. But 
uh, I wish you nothing but the best of luck, as always. So those are my two plays, under 6.5, New Jersey, Vegas, and Carolina, plus 130 on the money line. Matt, anything else in the NHL? Not as of this moment, but I will have NHL out later, later uh, closer to puck drops. All righty, let's take a break. Come right back. We'll talk Thursday Night Football, and we'll wrap things up. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a great shave? It hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters. Sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I've had nothing but good shaves with Harry's, and I hope that you can do the same. Harry's is a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade, and they've cut out the middleman. Manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. Which means you get incredibly high quality blades at factory direct prices. Harry's is super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. And there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of Full Slate can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with low to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. The holiday rush is coming, and if you sell your stuff online, you better get ready with ShipStation. With more people buying online than ever before, you have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders, or decide which shipping carrier to use, or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door. And delivered just in time for the holidays. There's nothing better than getting everything on time and not having to worry if you're going to get your mom or dad that gift just in time for the holidays. No matter what you're selling or where you're selling, whether it's Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers in the United States, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now, any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of the holiday shopping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use the offer code BLUE to get a 60-day trial that's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, and enter the offer code BLUE. ShipStation. Make ship happen. 
And we're back here on Full Slate, as always, wrapping up our weekday podcast with the Thursday Night Football preview. There aren't many of these left, as we are already into week 14 of the NFL season with the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Chicago Bears. Interestingly enough, both of these teams played on Thanksgiving, so we actually have the normal Thursday rest, uh, which is rare. Normally, it's uh, the short rest. Uh, but you get a normal seven days in between games now for both these teams. Dallas, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, total of 42-and-a-half. Matt, before we get into this game, like, let me just ask you, like, what did you take from the performances from both these teams on Thanksgiving? Chicago uh, wins a game that looked to be in doubt at different times against Detroit, and Dallas really didn't look good against Buffalo. Were you reading anything into those performances or just isolated games that you're willing to move on from? Um, I, I will read into the not bears. I'm not, I'm not buying the bears. Um, an interesting comeback by the bears. I honestly thought the Lions had that game, but nonetheless, still it was the lions still, it was their third string quarterback and they kind of just came out. And started a little, you know, a little hot. And they had a, there was really a defensive breakdown, you know, on that Kenny Galladay long touchdown. And, but, but it's still, they barely beat the Lions with their third string quarterback. And it took a comeback from behind win. So, like, yeah, Mitch did what we haven't seen him do all year. But again, a third string. Yeah. You know, you'll see also, that, but. How much Down difference is Driscoll, though? I mean, a difference enough that the coaching staff had him slated as the number three yeah. quarterback. You know, I mean, there's a reason why there's a depth chart, right? So clearly, and Jeff Driscoll, by the way, has started games in the past. I know for the Bengals and maybe for other teams. So, you know, he's not so – this guy made his first career start on Thanksgiving, national televised Thanksgiving Day game arguably the most watched games of the year. I mean, even non-football fans are sitting in front of the TV at 1230, eating, shoving their face with food and watching games. And he came out and he put on a pretty damn good performance, you know, with two touchdowns and, and almost 300 yards. Don't forget, they're also down their starting running back. So this Lions team is, is a hurt sure. team. They, they really are. And their defense just, hasn't been good. So, I, I mean, this is Greg, this is also a Lions team that we're talking about who just lost to the, the Redskins the week before. So, I don't really think it shows much for the Bears. That's that fine. No, a, I, I understand. But they're going to walk into Minnesota then they're, and they're going to get their asses handed to them. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm not... Uh, you don't the have Lions, to worry, I'm you're... saying. The Lions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's uh, undoubtedly going to happen I mean especially with the Vikings off of a loss I mean I think that is easily the biggest line on the board for week 14 but no I'm not buying that win and I'm not buying the win they barely beat the Giants at home as well like they just they're barely beating teams that are that are uh, okay that well let, let's look at the other side then it's clear you're not reading into the Bears and that's fine you're gonna you're, I think you're under nine and a half wins is, is you, you only need one more loss you're gonna be all right there um I, I mean if the Bears somehow win the next four games and 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 they finished ten and six, Greg. You know, I don't know if I'll ever bet 
the NFL ever again. But there's <laughs> absolutely just no way because they're at home against the Cowboys. They're then on the road at the Packers, at home against the Chiefs, and on the road against the Vikings. I mean, if they win the next four games, Greg, I mean, I guess the, the Bears are probably just going to win the Super Bowl then because I don't <laughs> see them, I, let alone winning two or three of those games, I, there's no chance they win all You four. know, I will say, I do kind of like them in this spot. I grabbed three yesterday. I'm seeing it at two and a half now. Um, I, listen, this to me lines up. I watched the Dallas game against Buffalo, and Dallas had all kinds of problems against that Buffalo defense and Buffalo was able to just kind of manage the game and, and Josh Allen just kind of did his thing and you know he didn't throw any interceptions and kind of methodically moved the ball and, and there wasn't anything necessarily that flashy about the Bills offense but there never is I mean they don't have a lot of playmakers so uh, tell me why the Bears can't use a similar blueprint to beat the Cowboys on Thursday night this week. I, I think that's what we're going to see. Uh, I think that ah, Dash Elliott struggle against the Bears defense. I'm not a big Bears guy either, and I also took under nine and a half wins. But this is a, I think this is a nice spot for Chicago. And gosh, I mean, the Cowboys, there's just not a lot of buy signs on them. I mean, third straight game now that they're playing a very solid defense, and, and we've seen what happened in the previous two. They haven't been able to score enough, and so that makes me take I, – I, I looked at that yesterday and took the plus three, so that's my play on this game. Yeah, I don't hate the plus three just because that Bears defense, but let me tell you something. The Cowboys only handed the ball off to Ezekiel Elliott 12 times. What is a great way to turn around the following week and try to give your team life? Oh, yeah, hand it to the arguably one of the best running backs in the league 20 times, 20 plus times, like you well, usually okay, do. You're going to say that, but hold on. They, You just mentioned their game against the Giants. Saquon Barkley got 17 carries in that game, and he only had 59 yards. So, again, I think it's a Bears defense that's going to stand up as the season hits its final quarter. I mean, that's, that's, that's fine against Saquon Barkley, but now, frankly, Saquon Barkley's been struggling all year, so that doesn't really say much to me. Post Scarborough went out there and had 21 carries for 83 yards and averaged four yards a carry. So you can say that. That they that they held Barkley, but you know, Bo Scarborough had a, had a pretty good game when he went against them. And a couple games back, Todd Gurley went for 25 carries, 97 yards, and a touchdown. So this Bears rushing attack, you know, I, I mean, rushing defense hasn't been amazing. It's actually been their pass defense, which has kind of been a little bit better, and their their game management. I mean, even go back to their Eagles game, you know, they allowed Jordan Howard 19 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown, average of 4.3. And Miles Sanders, in his 10 carries, got 42 yards, average of 4.2. So this rushing defense that the Bears have is clearly not like it was last year. Khalil Mack, uh, you know, his name is just not being called like it was last year. Nonetheless, it's just a tough game because clearly – the loser of this game is is going in a different direction. I guess you can say the Cowboys maybe aren't, considering the Eagles still lose. Right, Both exactly. of these teams are really struggling right now. I think you just ride the struggle, in my opinion, which is why I'm looking towards the under. I don't see either offense suddenly turning it around this week, and I see at the same time both offenses trying to control the tempo, especially the Cowboys, to establish that run Keep the clock turning. I think this is a clear under all the way throughout the game. And I wouldn't be surprised 
if if this game is as low as you know seventeen to fourteen or even seventeen sure. to ten, something like that. Um, I, I just I I think that's where I'm going with this game. You know, Cow Bears coming in going under the total four out of the last five games. Cowboys clearly with their offense struggling the past two games going under the total when they played two great defenses, the Bills and the Patriots. So they're coming in on the road against another great defense. I look for the Cowboys to struggle, and the Bears are just still pathetic in my mind. So I look for them both to struggle. Yeah, and, you know, lastly, though, I'm looking it up. As much as we want to say, and and maybe this just speaks to the Bears' defense and how good that they still are, even though I agree. I don't buy the Bears at all, and and they're going to be 8-8 probably, and, and, you know, it's going to be a team right in the middle of the league. Even in a season where it doesn't feel like they're as good against the run, they're still seventh in the league against the run, allowing 97.5 rushing yards per game. Uh, so, again, that also, though, lends it to the under, right? Like, if if we're not going to see Ezekiel Elliott get going, um, and tr- I don't think that Dak Prescott's going into Soldier Field and putting up big numbers. So, I, I, like, your, I like your play there of the under as well. Um, and you it's know, simple it's not- in my mind, Greg. Look, if Ezekiel Elliott doesn't get going, then Dak is going to struggle. The play action won't be there for the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are going to be in real trouble of putting up double-digit points if Zeke doesn't get going. Yeah. On the flip side, if Zeke gets going, what does that mean? Zeke has not off, broken off that many runs this year. Actually, last week when he had that 35-yard run, that was the longest run of his season. He does not have many carries over 20 yards. How does Zeke get his yardage? By a lot of four to eight yard carries and chunks. If he's getting these three, four, five, six yard carries that we're typically used to seeing out of the Cowboys, we're going to see a lot of second, third down, short downs, a lot of time of possession the Cowboys favor, and the clock will be ticking. On the flip side, we know the Bears offense lacks the big play typically, and they typically march down the field if they are able to march on the field. They'll use Tyree Cohen. They'll throw the ball, you know, short. They'll run their screens, and the clock will be moving that way as well, along with the Bears' defense ability at home to be able to get third down stops and or turn t- turn would-be touchdowns into field goals. You know, I really don't see this game going over whatsoever. So there you have it, a like on the dog and a like on the under for Thursday Night Football. Matt, we'll do it again on Friday, uh, College Football Conference Championship Weekend and NFL Week 14. Big weekend. Big weekend. Matt, a lot of fun. Looking forward to talking to you on Friday. Yes, sir. Thanks to everybody for tuning in, and please remember, play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.